This is Camp Code, another innovative podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. Camp Code is dedicated to helping you create and facilitate the most effective leadership training so we as an industry can raise the bar for professionalism and preparedness of our staff. You can find our show notes and our blog for camp leaders and directors at camphacker.tv. Welcome to Camp Code, a podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. This podcast is dedicated to what many camp professionals believe to be the most important time at camp, no matter what you call it, staff training, orientation, or leadership training. This critical time period prepares your staff to fulfill all the promises that you make to parents and customers throughout the year. So we're going to get started by having uh, our other co-host introduce herself. So Beth, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Beth Allison. I am co-owner of Camp Hacker and for 15 years was a camp director and co-executive director of five summer camps in Muskoka, Ontario, Canada, and now am working in the business as a camp consultant. I'm talking to you from Woodstock, Ontario, Canada today. And I'm Rumi Compton. I'm the summer camp program director at Green River Preserve. We are a summer camp focused on connecting children with nature. And we're located on a 3,400-acre private wildlife preserve in the Blue Ridge Mountains in western North Carolina. Uh, and today we are so fortunate to be joined by Tom Heck. He is the author of Duct Tape Team Building Games, 50 Fun Activities to Help Your Team Stick Together. He's the president and founder of the International Association of Teamwork Facilitators. He has trained leaders and teamwork facilitators from North America, Europe, the Middle East, Africa, the Caribbean, Central and South America, and Australasia. And Tom ha- and his organization empower leaders and teach them how to establish and grow and leverage high-performing teams. So, of course, we in camping not only benefit from, but also love and admire what he does. So, Tom, do you want to share a little more about what you do? Yes. Well, I should probably start with my background in camp and working with kids. So, uh, right out of college, one of the first jobs I had was working in a program modeled after Outward Bound. And uh, so, we uh, it was an unusual program in that I was... um, technically a juvenile corrections officer for the state of North Carolina in a program called Camp Woodson, which ran for years. Uh, And what we did is we uh, uh, took kids who were in prison, different prisons across the state of North Carolina, and gave them the option to go through a seven-week intensive, outward-bound-inspired-like program, uh, lots of backpacking, rock climbing, horseback riding, depending on the year. Uh, Sometimes we would be uh, in canoes. And uh, we would take these kids from uh, who were typically from an urban area, an urban environment, and and build a team and community, uh, number one. And so uh, really it was about helping the students experience, one, the outdoors, but two, really experience what, what they had inside. So it's, it's really the, if you're familiar with Outward Bound, it's, it's all uh, personal growth and learning how to work in a community in a healthy way. So that's, that's where my background started. And then I also worked for the, uh, I, I was a high school teacher at one point, And then I also worked for the YMCA for seven years and, uh, and then started, did some training for the YMCA of the USA. But You know, the YMCA has got a big day camp presence, and there are some Mm -hmm. overnight camps around the country. So I got uh, to learn a little bit more about that. And then 
uh, my kids, uh, my, I have two kids, and they have both loved attending and being <laughs> campers at Green River Preserve. So that's how I know Ruby. So I'm delighted to be here. And, uh, and you know, a little bit about the IATF, I'm, I'm happy to say that it, it has been a labor of love to reach out and help people around the world uh, with um, team and leadership development. A lot of people who initially come to me find their way to me through uh, games, team building games that, mm -hmm. you know, are commonly used in the world of camping, day camps and overnight camps. So, uh, and maybe we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit about that today. Great. So today's topic is actually community building part two. We gave you a community building part one months ago, um, but we've saved this special bonus episode for you because we were able to finally coordinate our schedules with the very busy Tom Heck. So we chose to do it because it is so important in terms of what we do as camping professionals that we deserved, we felt it deserved one more show, and we're really happy to pick the brains of such an expert in this field. So that's our topic today. And when we were discussing guests for the show, as soon as we were talking about community building, I immediately said, we have to get Tom Heck to be a guest. Um, I first met Tom as a participant during staff training in 2012 at Green River Preserve, and he was facilitating a, a general community building uh, session very early on in our staff training with our summer staff, and I was just incredibly impressed with his ability to debrief. Mm -hmm. um, and there was this great moment where he uh, set us up for this initiative um, that naturally exploits our tendency to be really competitive. And the hope is that we'll just struggle, 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 struggle until um, the group gets so frustrated that they're like, there has to be another solution. And then uh, you figure out a way to, to find a collaborative way so everybody wins. Um, and the small group that I was in quickly saw, like, this is futile for us to be competing <laughs> against each other. Let's see if we can figure out a way to make this work for everybody. And so in about three minutes, we had solved the puzzle. And, and I just remember Tom standing there kind of speechless and like <laughs> scratching his head, like, I cannot believe this just happened. <laughs> but he still drew out these incredibly perceptive questions and um, helped, uh, helped us see the learning and see the uniqueness of that experience. And then he totally outsmarted us later with another initiative. I mean, just <laughs> pulled the wool over everybody's eyes. It was fantastic. And I just found he's one of those facilitators that consistently brings new and interesting ideas to our community building sessions, um, whether it's a totally new game or initiative that I've never seen before or just an, an awesome spin um, on some classics. So, Tom, we, we talk a lot at Camp Code about the why piece, why we do what we do. So can we start off by having you tell us why you are so passionate about team building? Yes. Well, uh, I'm going to go back to the, the, my days as working with uh, juvenile delinquents in the woods. And uh, I really – so in the arc of running this seven-week camp program with these students, we, we did lots of activities. And what I, and of course I loved, uh, you know, the backpacking and the rock climbing and uh, things that I had um, always wanted to do just as a, a part, you know, as a hobby were now things that I was doing as a profession. But what I, I really realized is that the, the part that I gravitated towards were the interactions that happened between the campers 
And and then, of course, between the staff, the staff, mm-hmm. if we weren't unified or weren't communicating well, then uh, every the, it, that was sort of like the tendons, the, the thing that kept everything together. And it didn't matter how cool an activity was. If the community was weak, what ended up happening is, is that the activity would suffer. So, you know, we see the same. Uh, the same can happen at a camp, For uh, certainly, is that, you know, uh, like Green River Preserve has got uh, an amazing piece of property. Just it's beautiful, pristine, and there's great activities, and yet... That's not enough to carry the day. It just mm-hmm. isn't. Uh, and so uh, that um, is how I guess I started to really look behind the curtain, if you will. And I had a really great supervisor. Uh, uh, her name is Betsy Hipple, and she has worked all over the country on working with teams. And, and she and I are still good friends. And she would tell me about, and we would have conversations about, how she was looking at things and, uh, and, and Ruby mentioned about debriefing and, and early on when I was just learning how to lead team building games, I could lead them. And then I'd get done and I'd say, okay, uh, there we go. Um, uh, now what? Uh, I wasn't, I'd say, okay, let's, let's eat lunch. Uh, and so I wasn't exactly sure what to do. And then Betsy would come in and she would lead, uh, uh, she would look at what the students were doing and ask these amazing questions and, and get dialogue from kids that I just didn't think were interested in talking about these things. Mm-hmm. And I just became fascinated with that. So I would ask her tons of questions and she handed me books and uh, one thing led to another and I started just trying to practice some of this on my own. Uh, so that's that's how I, I guess I... I travel down this path of, of looking at the games, which I love. I love these, you know, the, uh, Ruby mentioned the games that we, uh, that we led as a staff, uh, or, or I led with the staff. And then the questions that followed, the debriefing questions, I think that that's um, where I, I really, I enjoy the setting up the game and thinking about the game and then drawing out the wisdom from the mm. group. Because it's, it's not... Uh, I think that that from a facilitation standpoint, if I go in and uh, from the mindset of I've got the answers, that's a whole different feel than uh, I I'm going to walk into this event and I'm going to do my best to draw out the wisdom from the group. That's a different way of just starting off the uh, the the program, even the design. In fact, I'm sitting here looking at. Uh, the design from uh, that because uh, Ruby had I knew Ruby was going to mention this and I was like what <laughs> did I do and now I, I know because I'm looking at the uh, the design of that day that I I had uh, made and I I know exactly what I did now. <laughs> it's fantastic um, during our first community building podcast we kind of broke down that process into a beginning and a middle and, a, and an end what do you feel makes for a strong beginning to community building Wow. Okay. So the, I think number one, the, the start of it really is, is that, that we, we say to ourselves that community building is, uh, absolutely key to our success. It's not something that is, 
second or um, second to uh, anything else. I think it's it's that uh, that if we say how we treat our community. When I say our community, I'm talking about our staff, our staff development. Of course, there's a community when those campers come in. And, um, but it's our staff. When we take a look at the staff, it's uh, the, like in, in Green River Preserves case, a lot of the staff are, are college students. So they're not full time. And so the the core of the staff is who's there, who's there year round, who are the key staff, and how do we treat each other? So that's where we start first, and it's and it's an ongoing piece. And then we say we, we bring in the uh, the college students, uh, and we say, okay, so here's the beginning. So before they even show up, it's um, how we communicate <laughs> with the staff through an email. You know, paying attention to language. Um, and when I say paying attention to language. Uh, it's even subtleties like um, I'm going to try to pick one out here. It's the difference between saying "but" and "and," you know. And I know mm-hmm. that Ruby pays attention to things like this. It's it's sort of like uh, saying uh, it's raining, but we're going to have fun anyway. Versus it's raining and we're going to have fun anyway. It's it's right. the subtleties like that that begin to build community, and and that happens before the the our staff even shows up. What what are the systems that we have in place to support them um, in getting their questions answered, um, and and then are we responsive? And when we are responsive, is it a phone call? Is it an email? And are we positive? That's a community builder. Uh, so it's it's the one on one, and then it's also with the group. So, you know, it's um, so that's that's the beginning. And then when people show up, you know, one of the my first memories of Green River Preserve for my kids is when we when we drove into the camp. I still remember this because my son was the first uh, to uh, be there as a camper. Uh, but there was uh, a celebratory type of atmosphere a welcoming and glad you're here type of atmosphere when we drove in. And so the reason I bring that up is because that wouldn't have been possible, I think, had not Green River Preserve had that for the staff initially. So that's the model. And they say, oh, okay, so now we see you're going to treat us like this so we can treat everyone, everyone who comes, all the campers here like this. I think that some some organizations might uh, maybe not camps, but other businesses <clears throat> that um, I have worked with seem to think that we can treat our staff one way, and then we hope that we treat our customers better right. than what we're treating our staff. Right? We have to treat our staff better. I mean, we, uh, not better, but really in a great way before we can expect them to ever. Uh, do the same with our campers. It's being congruent. So that's the that's the beginning. Cool. So for people who are out there this summer uh, as camping professionals, hoping to really uh, benefit from doing a lot of team building activities, just a practical hint for them: How do you keep everything organized? Where do you do you have a games box? Do you have a spreadsheet in your computer? Are you do you have a little back pocket book? 
How does this work for Tom Hecht? All right, so I'm going to, knowing now that we are, uh, this is uh, going to be a video, (laughs) uh, a video recording. So I'm going to show you um, sort of my note sheet. Awesome. Okay. So this is an old sheet and I have, uh, and I write into it. And then as I write new ideas, what I'll do is I'll, uh, I have it on a computer. So... Uh, these are divided into, and, and I'll just give you an example. I have these columns, uh, and this is in probably eight-point type, I guess. I don't know. This is which why I have to wear glasses. I didn't used to have to do this, but as I add more activities, the font gets smaller. Uh, so initiatives long, and this is just for me, initiative short, disclosure, fun and fast, fun and slow, name games, tag, group division, closing, uh, tricks, riddles, others, uh, and then uh, some debriefing tools that I, I use. So when I go about designing a day, one, I always want to understand what is, what is the, uh, init- the outcome? What, what is it? And I've asked Ruby this, is, you know, mm-hmm. when, when you, if you're walking behind three people who have just gone through this training, what do you want to overhear them saying? And uh, what is the most important thing? So knowing the most important thing, that's what I start to move towards. And then, of course, understanding the uh, the group, how many of them are returning staff, um, how many have never been a, a camp staff person before. Uh, these, these help. Uh, and knowing how um, the space that I'm going to work in, for example... If it's going to be pouring down rain versus we're going to be out in a, uh, and we're going to be inside versus we're, we're going to be in this giant open field um, with, you know, a hundred staff. That's very different field than 30 people inside a closed room where it's, it's pouring down rain uh, outside. So that's how I and I have this the, the website, um, the IATF connect dot com. I've been taking videos and uh, um, putting up uh, free uh, descriptions on how to lead things. And so anyone who's listening to this is welcome to go and log in and, you know, download activities and watch the video on how to do stuff. And I also offer uh, free group coaching and people just call in and say, hey, I've got this group and I've been doing this for years uh, saying, you know, I've got this group this amount of time. And I need an activity that gets at this end. I want to build trust. Or I've got a specific issue around um, I want staff to uh, uh, be willing to take a risk this summer. So I'll I'll look for an activity that with that end in mind, and I'll look for an activity that allows me to move in that direction. Is that helpful? Yeah, no, that's great. (laughs) And I have been to the website and looked up all these videos, and they are really awesome, spelled out really clearly. Um, I was really impressed. So if you folks are looking for great ideas, I absolutely recommend you head there. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm going to be shooting some more video uh, at, at a local college here. They asked me to come in and be a sort of a guest speaker. It's for uh, um, an outdoor leadership class. And I say, oh, yes, and while I'm, while I'm here, do you mind if I take some video? <laughs> Great. So I'll do, and it allows me to continue to um, put new things up. So 
Uh, IATF Connect is a fantastic resource for us. Where do you get new ideas uh, for, for new initiatives or new spins? Where does that come from? Some of it comes uh, from, I have friends who, you know, I'll go and study and, uh, uh, and I'll get other ideas from other people. I think that um, sometimes they just come from uh, uh, just going through the dollar store, for example. Mm. Uh, and I, I don't. That's uh, I a might have one great here. camp go-to is the dollar store. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was in um, the like. I'll give you an example. So here, I have a friend, Sam Sykes, who's got this. Who's written a number of great books on team building. Sam Sykes is just great, uh, and he had one activity that required a team to hold on to a bandana. Let's say eight people, and they held on to the edges of a bandana, making a sort of a tabletop effect. And then he had uh, the group carrying a plastic cup of water uh, from one point to another, right? And if the water spilled, then they had to try again. Well, I was leading, I wanted to lead this activity with, I don't know, 150 people one time inside a conference facility at a big (laughs) hotel. And I thought, if I start spilling water, (laughs) this conference facility will never have me back. So I I thought, okay, so how can I change this? So I took the plastic cup, flipped it upside down, and put a marble on top of the cup, which would be the bottom of the cup. Got the same effect. Um, You know, the group, if the marble falls off, this type of thing. Uh, And then going along the same idea, I was in the dollar store, and they had this little... Um, it, it was like a, a little maze or a labyrinth. You know those things where there's a little BB inside mm-hmm. and you're trying to get it you know, from one point right. and to the other. And it was just this little square thing like this. And it was a dollar. And I was looking at it and I thought, oh, I know exactly what to do with that to make it a team event. We just put that on the bandana, right? So now <laughs> the group is working collaboratively to get that little BB to work and they're sitting there talking and it was a dollar in a bandana, right? So easy to transport and so inexpensive and yet so effective. So I think it's, it's uh, for me, looking for ways to um, look at existing things and change uh, uh, and use them in new ways. Oh, to spend an hour in the head of Tom Heck for a while. It sounds like it's a fun place to be. Um, Tom, you've already sort of uh, talked about this a little bit. Um, So I'm going to sort of give you a two-part question. You might want to expand a bit on the first part. What do you feel are the keys to being a really effective facilitator? Um, And are there dangers to be aware of when we're doing large group facilitation? Are there, you know, things that um, we can get really wrong if we're not careful? Mm. I'm going to start with the last one. Okay. Um, and, and the reason being is because you just triggered a memory uh, that I had uh, actually from the first time I worked at Green River Preserve, the summer staff training, because at the end, and Ruby, I don't remember this counselor's name, but he came up to me and said, I just want to tell you that I really wasn't looking forward to this training initially, um, <laughs> and I really liked how you led it. So... Uh, and the reason I, I, I say this is because when I went in, uh, I want to emphasize that when it's a big group in particular, it's uh, and a big group, I guess. Uh, I mean, Ruby, how many staff are we typically talking about at summer? Like 40? 50 to 60 people. Yeah. yeah so, so it's, 
I consider that big. It's not the biggest group I've worked with, but to get, it's big if we want to move to a place where we're talking about heart-centered work, right? So heart-centered work is working with kids. Now, if I was working with a group of attorneys, I may not be, that may not be my end goal, but to get 60 people to share from their heart because that's where we start to build trust uh, and we start to build deeper bonds and community, that's harder. And so if if you're going to do that, I think it's what I have found to be the case is that if if I elevate myself to the place of, or maybe not the word elevate, but to move myself to the place of trainer is – I think way less effective than facilitator. So okay. uh, it, it is the, and I realize there's a, this, for me, there's a distinction. And a facilitator is about to, uh, going back to the idea of drawing out. And, and so when there's a group of people like that, one, can I show up in a heart centered way so that I create the opening for everyone else? That's number one as a facilitator. So if I want my group to go to a heart-centered place, I've got to show up and say, okay, how can I be vulnerable? How can I come from a heart-centered place? How can I be real right now? That's what I have found. And then um, to have the group in, in um, give plenty of time for discussion and sharing. Uh, so there's an activity and it's not after the activity that the, a trainer says, here's what you have learned. Uh, right. A facilitator says, what have you learned? Share with each other. Give opportunities for the group to share with each other. And, and uh, again, have an expectation that we're going to go to that heart-centered, you know, these heart-centered conversations. So uh, now you're going to have to refresh my memory on what the first aspect of your question was. <laughs> um, just oh. um, if there are um, keys to being an effective facilitator. Yes, keys. Okay. Well, I mentioned my friend Sam Sykes, and he and uh, some others wrote a book um, about working with large groups. And I should se- I'll send you the... Uh, uh, I'm thinking it's on my bookcase. Yeah, there it is. It's called it's called the more the merrier. And if someone is new to working with large groups, it's a great book to uh, start with. It has lots of great pieces. So, so keys to effectiveness is really being able to ask good questions. And I actually I thought I anticipated this. I'm going to show you one other resource that I like, and this is from. You can see it here, coaching questions, and it's not a very big book, uh, and it's kind of a big format book. Uh, but uh, I, I like this book. It's by Tony Stoltzfus, and uh, coaching questions: a coach's guide to powerful asking skills. So, so in the world of facilitation and working with groups, I believe that one of the most powerful technologies, if you will. It comes from the world of coaching and professional coaching. Uh, um, so we hear a lot about coaches as far as, um, you know, like an executive hiring a coach. I think that also the, the work that we do with kids uh, can be uh, influenced in a positive way from the coaching 
and leadership arena. So I would encourage folks to look at that. Uh, and in fact, uh, one of the projects I'm working on, uh, I have I developed a distance learning leadership development program called the Leader as Coach Fast Track Program. You can find it at the uh, IATF website. But what, so here's my goal: is I want to. Uh, uh, I'm being coached right now by a gentleman by the name of uh, Dr. Kyle Peck of uh, Penn State who is sort of masterful in the arena of distance learning. And I, what I'm doing is I'm going to be putting the content and recordings that I've had, oh, handouts wow. and whatnot, up for free on a website to be downloaded by anyone. So the concept is, is that anyone anywhere around the world will be able to get quality um, leadership development. Now, it, it's going to be sort of like Khan Academy in that, you're going to have to be self-motivated, but there's going to be an area in my website for people who are uh, on this path um, to share ideas and whatnot. So I'm working on that. I, I have a platform where I'm going to be putting this. It's not one I've developed. It's one that's already out there for distance learning. But it, it gets back to your question of um, how do we become a better facilitator? How do we become a better leader? And, you know, for a lot of uh, small nonprofits and, and educators, they they don't have the ability to send staff off right. to yep. you know a week long training event that's cost thousands of dollars. And yet we need we need more leaders in the world or people with better leadership skills. I think we're all leaders in some way. Great, that that's helpful? awesome. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Thank you. Um, so Beth, I want to give you an opportunity to ask one more question. So this will kind of be my last one. Um, Tom, you ran an awesome midsummer slump training last year for us last year, um, that, uh, my staff still talk about. And I think that's wow. a really common, I know, I know it's incredible. Uh, and I think it's a really common question that directors have, you know, what, what do I do with my staff that's tired and worn out and it's the middle of the summer and we still have another 300 kids coming. So can you share a little bit about what you did and why you think it was effective? Well, I think truthfully that, uh, that I got, uh, well, I was going to say lucky. I got, I hope that what I did was going to be really useful and, and I'm delighted to hear that it had the impact that it did. So, um, I know what it's like to be tired. Uh, and, and here in Western North Carolina, I live, uh, about an hour from uh, Green River Preserve, and it rained a lot last summer. And <laughs> it's that's hard, you know, to be positive and upbeat with kids. And and so, um, what I did, one of the big pieces that I did is I I wanted to again draw out uh, what uh, something that we share our hopes and dreams. And I, I'm looking at my the the program design, and I remember. Um, showing a six minute and 21 second a video, a TED talk uh, by Candy Chang, C-H-A-N-G. I encourage anybody to go out and watch it. It's a great, it's a great video, but in it, uh, she talked about, um, bef- uh, you know, having a wall in a community um, uh, that, that is plastered with comments, uh, the, the completion of a sentence called before I die, dot, 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 and so I thought, wow, this would be a really cool thing to do for, for the staff to share dreams and hopes, you know, talk about 
getting reconnected with something that is heart-centered. And, uh, and then so people shared and we, we spread them out. And, and Ruby, you, you told me that, that these have lived on, right? That these little pieces of paper? Yeah, they were in our staff lounge actually until just last week. I went in and finally took them down. Like, oh, we probably shouldn't have cards that say before I die when the new staff comes in. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. There wouldn't it, be the context was, there. That's right. <laughs> yeah, not quite. Right, right. So, so then, you know, building on that, uh, I have a, a friend, Michelle Cummings, who I'm sure many camp folks know. She has this uh, thing called a community puzzle. It's a, it's a neat thing that people, uh, it, it somehow fits together, all these different puzzle pieces, no matter how many you add, they all fit together. And so we made a collage. We made a collage of uh, using this really cool tool that Michelle has called the community puzzle. Uh, so, uh, you know, that there was, um, it was pretty much, uh, I, I always come prepared to do more than I did. And those were the two big things that I did. And, uh, it was all about community and sharing from the heart and uh, so it, and, and having people get reconnected with that so that's where i was uh, you know coming from with that and uh, i'm delighted to hear that it, it worked as good as it did the thing that i saw um that i was so excited about cuz tom does always send me an email ahead of time hey you know how are things going what's your goal for this activity or this time together Um, and you know, I told him this is the midsummer slump and I had kind of independently come up with the realization that really having the staff take a little bit of time to focus on themselves. I think the temptation as a director is to say, we have to focus on the kids, really pay attention to the kids. Like this is all about the kids and us telling that to them is not enough. It's not going to push them through that. Uh, but what that whole day did was, force the staff to really refocus on this is why I'm here and this is why this is an important experience for me to have. And so being a little bit staff focused on that midsummer training, I think is really, really critical for it being effective. Yeah. Well, you know, I, uh, I know we're getting towards the end, but, uh, I love talking about this stuff. So (laughs) you reminded me of, uh, I, when I worked for the YMCA years ago, uh, I started running these um, overnight experiences for a fifth grade class. So a school would bring a fifth grade class in and we do all kinds of team building things, but it was an overnight, right? And the teachers would come and I knew that I wanted to uh, treat the teachers well and, and help rejuvenate them so that they wouldn't come in and just be completely tired the next day. So I actually hired uh, a massage expert, you know, a professional massage person to come in and we had special food for the teachers and, you know, they felt a little pampered and I, I had cards for them to let them know that, uh, that we, the community thanked them, uh, for their good work. And, and so it's, yeah, it's, it's certainly about the kids, but again, we've got to show our staff that, you know, we love and care for them so that they can love and care for the kids. Great. Now, you may have just answered my question, but I'll just see if you have a different answer. Um, We have camp directors literally all over the world preparing for summer camp right now and thinking about staff training. So what would be one last piece of advice you would want to give to them um, as they begin their season with their staff? Oh, gosh. I think to... uh 
Uh, I'm going to start with uh, the, the, I guess, the concept of trust uh, and uh, to explore everything that you can around trust. Uh, trust is the, I think, the biggest lever, and is probably also the most frequently um, talked about value that we have when working with people and leaders and kids, you know, we want kids to trust us. We want the staff to trust us. We want the parents to trust us. But uh, how do we really get at trust? And, and there's a great book by Patrick Lencioni that I love. It's uh, called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Um, and I would encourage everyone to read this book. It's, it's actually written in parable format. The audio version is great. No matter where you live, you can get the, you can download a, um, a digital copy somewhere. Uh, and uh, so there's lots of information on it. But he talks, Lencioni talks about uh, these five dysfunctions, and, he, and it's in the form of a triangle, a pyramid, if you will, with the base of it being an absence of trust. And, um, and in that, he talks about uh, not the kind of trust where, like, let's say that Ruby asks me, and I, let's say I'm working in the office, and Ruby says, Tom, can you get 10 copies of this done by this afternoon, of this booklet? And then I come back at noon, and I have the 10 copies. Well, that's sort of a transactional trust. I don't think that that's the trust that is going to transform a group or a community. What The kind of trust that, that uh, um, Lencioni talks about is vulnerability-based trust. Vulnerability. So how vulnerable can I be with my staff? How and um, and you'll if you read the book, you'll get more about that. And then there's also a great book on trust by uh, Stephen M. R. Covey, who is the son of Doctor uh, Stephen Covey, who's famous for the Seven Habits. But the book by Stephen M. R. Covey is uh, entitled "The Speed of Trust," and uh, I actually interviewed uh, Stephen M. R. Covey on his book. And his number one trainer, uh, Barry Relaford, uh, who's a good friend of mine, and about the book. So he and I have had multiple conversations about trust and recorded them, and then I posted them to the IATF website. So I, I would suggest that, um, and, and I realize this is broad and maybe not here's what to do uh, in the context of this conversation, though, I, is please invest in and look and say, how are we building trust? What's another thing that we can do to build trust? And um, if, if you just do that this summer, and, and I think it would be transformative for your staff. I think it would be transformative to your students. And, um, and, and so there's lots of things. Uh, like, for example, there are trust is usually can be broken down into two pieces, character and competence. So, for example, Ruby would not want me uh, doing surgery on her eye if she got <laughs> something stuck in her eye. Now, sure. that doesn't mean to say that she doesn't trust me. It's just that I am not competent in that. Now, she would trust me with her staff because I'm competent in those areas. But then there's this other piece about character, right, is that um, what are we doing to develop our character? So these two things are, are what develop uh, is what tr is trust is about character and competence, and uh, so 
um, the this is what I would be wanting to build in my staff is how can I in, uh, strengthen their character? How can I strengthen my character uh, moving forward? Great. That's awesome. Um, I found two quotes on your website, which really resonated with me, Tom. And I just want to share them with people um, because I think camp people would really be drawn to these as well. Um, The first is we know that when young people learn how to leverage the power of teamwork, we are far more likely to to bring about profound levels of positive social change, which I think is what all camp directors um, are out there trying to do. And the second one is when we make the investment to help young people learn team and leadership skills, the world is a better place place. So if you folks don't already think that this man is amazing, hopefully those um, will (laughs) seal the deal for you uh, and that you will really check him out. Um, I am so grateful to have had the opportunity uh, to learn from you today. And um, I am actually going to have to go back and listen to this podcast because I was so engrossed. I didn't write anything down and there was all these (laughs) things that I want to go check out now. So I'm going to have to go and listen to myself. Um, but thank you so much. I just want to let people know how they can get involved in Camp Code. So you can certainly join us on uh, hashtag Camp Code. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know what other topics you would like to discuss. We'd love to hear some feedback um, about today's topic. And we can certainly uh, pass any questions along to Tom um, if you uh, need that information. Or you can certainly do so yourself because he's given us lots of opportunities to connect with him. We'd love to know what other guests you'd like uh, us to speak with, what other great leadership training training tips you have to share with us so we'd love to hear from you so just join us on the hashtag camp code fantastic and beth you want to start off by uh, just sharing want everybody to know how to get in touch with us so beth why don't you tell us how we can get in touch with you if we want to find out more or, or talk to you about this show Great. Um, You can find us on our website at camphacker.tv. You can email me at beth at camphacker.tv or at camphacker. Fantastic. Tom, how about you? I'm easy to find. Uh, (laughs) You can go to, if you just Google my name, you'll find me, uh, tomheck.com. Last name is H-E-C-K. And then my, so I'm doing things, you'll find my personal website, which is filled with just uh, hobbies that I have, and then uh, my, but my the, the the website I've been mentioning today, iatfconnect.com, which is International Association of Teamwork Facilitators. I would love to uh, support anybody who's out there working with kids. It's the, where I started. It's my great passion to um, the legacy I'd most like to leave is um, that I made a difference in the lives of kids. Fantastic. And I'm Ruby. I can be found at ruby at greenriverpreserve.org uh, or on Twitter, rubylin85. Our final segment on each podcast is a best practice for leadership trainings. And we would love to hear some of your most memorable moments or most effective tips. You can tell us those using the hashtag camp code. Uh, but for this week, I want to share with you all an activity that um, Tom did at the peak conference at YMCA Camp Greenville last year uh, during a session. And so if you have any old keyboards lying around, this can be a great activity. Um, he split us up into groups and then handed us a Ziploc bag of keyboard keys. And there were several activities that happened. Um, There's some great opportunities just for sharing. I think one of the activities was pulling out a key and talking about why it had meaning to us or picking out a key and sharing what meaning it had. But the one that really struck me was the activity of 
recreating the keyboard. And so we dumped out all of our keys and had the challenge of trying to recreate a keyboard there on the floor with just all these loose keys. And it was amazing how something that you see every single day, and it's a tool that you utilize every single day, that you can't do it. <laughs> I mean, we couldn't. <laughs> with five or six minds, we still were not able to put together in some of the keys. Like, what is this key? I've never seen this before. Um, and then we were pushed further to, once we had created our keyboard, to take away keys that were extraneous, uh, keys that we felt like we could live without or work without. Um, and that led to some great discussion. And there were just so many ways that you could go with that. And it, it was just really unique and fun. And it I already have a stash of keyboards in my office that every time somebody says I have a keyboard, I'm like, oh, I want that to use it. But just a lot of fun. And again, so many directions you could take it to draw that learning out. So thanks again for listening. And please join us on the hashtag Camp Code. Please remember, no other industry shares its best practices the way summer camps do. If you use an idea heard on a Camp Hacker podcast, Please be professional and give credit where credit is due. The Camp Code is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, Summer Camp Leadership Training and Marketing Consultants. Thanks for the listening, friends. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.